This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 266 of the Dressage Radio Show on the Horse Radio Network. This is Reese Koffler-Stanfield from Georgetown, Kentucky. And this is Philip Parks from Ferguson, Ontario, and you're listening to the Dressage Radio Show, of course. Hi, Philip. How Hi. are you? I'm, I'm doing well. We haven't talked in a while, have we? I know, and I always miss when I don't talk to you for a couple weeks. Well, actually, you and I have been talking, but not about the yeah, show. Yeah, yeah, not about the show <laughs> and, and all that. Yeah, yeah we, had that, we had that interesting you know, interview, the, the interviewers show on the other week, and then... Yeah, so we haven't had a show. I know. I know. I always miss it when we don't have a show. Yeah. So what, what have you been doing? Tell us. Well, well, um, it's been an interesting couple of weeks around here. Um, we had a horse show a couple weeks ago, and that went really well. Um, actually, in the next couple shows, I had two very special people and students of mine get their silver, silver medal, and that was truly the highlight of the horse show. My, my horses I rode were really good. But, you know, to, to coach people that are so inspiring, um, their stories and to help them get their medals. I mean, I, I was, I got choked up a, a couple of times. So uh, that is really cool. So you're going to hear from one of my students today, Julie Lewandowski. And next week, we're going to hear from Laura Phillips. And they're going to tell us a little bit about their journey to their silver medals. So that was really, really fun. Awesome. And as, as you know, I had surgery, yeah. uh, which is why you and I have t- chatted a lot. Everybody, Philip is awesome. And he has <laughs> ice of one of my horses in training. So Romeo went up to Canada for Philip to take great care of. And uh, it's true, you know, um, you, it, we always talk about it, but it, it's even more true when, you know, I, I had to take some time off because I had um, uh, a joint in my foot that was been bothering me for a decade. And finally, the doctor said, OK, come on now. We really need to get, that get this fixed. fixed. Yeah, yeah we, we, this, fixed. Is, this is happening. So I had to, I had to take uh, four weeks off. And July is a really good month here because we don't show Everyone sort of shown and qualified and, and all that good stuff. So it was a good time. It's never a good time to take off. But um, so I've been sitting around putting my foot up, which is super annoying. I am for sure a horse on stall rest. I'm like literally banging <laughs> walls. Um, but I'm getting some paperwork done. And, um, you know, I know all my horses are in good hands. A couple of them, you know, I farmed one out. One's going to be sold. One farmed him out to you, Philip. And yeah, then I got um, one. We're working on him. So yeah, that's working fine. on him. And, yeah, and then my assistant, um, I've got to give her a shout-out, Ashley Rand. Uh, she's new to me. She came in June, and my goodness, she's taken on a lot, and she's doing a fabulous job and working really hard. Yeah, so, yeah, so that's sort of what's going on here. I'll be fine. I'll, um, the doctor says four weeks I'll be back in the saddle, so I'm holding him to it for sure. So, um, But, Philip, what are you up to? Well, we had Canada Day. Yes, happy Canada awesome. Day, Philip. Yeah. We've had some beautiful mm-hmm. weather and, uh, you know, fireworks and stuff, Canada Day. Yeah, I was going to say, it's Canada Day. What do you do for Canada Day? Yeah, you light stuff on fire. Okay. So yeah. it's like 4th of July, yeah. essentially. Yeah. Just more right. red and white. No blue. More, No blue. <laughs> well, that's, well, for you, that's good because red is winning. Yeah, blue is winning exactly, for us. So that makes exactly. sense. Exactly. That's cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was really fun. fun. We just, t- you know, take a moment and uh, uh, take a break here in July for, for a day or two and then... Uh, Right back at it. We were training horses. Back at it. Nice. Having good times. We we're getting ready for shows. And you um, had some lessons today? Yeah, I was riding with my coach, Neil Ishoy, today. And we had a good time. He's a great guy. And uh, um, just working hard. 
And, and I will uh, say, everybody, Philip is on today. He is he is gold star <laughs> Philip. Everything he said today has been winner. So yeah, Philip is on. Truth, right? Yeah. Just, yeah, it's uh, true. You know, it's great. <laughs> you know, when I get to chat with my coach and and we talk about the horses and we talk about training and and so that's just you know kind of inspiring and fun. And so we bring it all the way right onto the show. Uh, Love it. You know that theme and and just having a good time. So. Love so it. It's been good. And you guys are, you know, you got the July 4th coming we up. We have July yeah. 4th. Happy July 4th to everybody. And um, yeah, I mean, I'm pretty boring right now. I think my my dear parents and husband, they're going to bring they're going to bring over a barbecue and, and we're having a barbecue, but gonna I'm not out. having anything. Yeah, I'm not doing anything. So uh, <laughs> I, get to, anything. I get to orchestrate it. Um, I think I can have a drink now. You know, I probably just I'm going to watch. And, and and enjoy them okay. doing everything because I just I'm not really allowed to move around much right now. So, right. Um, yeah. Right. So that'll be fun. It'll be a, yeah. a great one. And I always worry a little bit. I, I we don't go anywhere on July Fourth because of the fireworks and the horses. And I like to be around. So my mom yeah. is gonna fill yeah. that role this year. Something goes wrong, my mom can. Yeah, my mom Excellent. can kind of handle it because yeah. I can't really handle it at yeah. this point. So. Yeah, so well, right. well, July Fourth, we got uh, a big show for the U.S. coming yes, up. Yes, uh, we do. And, uh, yeah, big show. There's eight eight riders and horses to compete at Fritzen's in the first World Equestrian Games trials. So the I guess the top eight riders from um, from the WEG selection in the U.S. flew over to I guess they were in Holland for a while, and now they're going to Austria. They're going to be a big show. So looking for great results and see who's going to be on this team, right? Yes. Well, fingers crossed. And actually, I've been, um, you know, I'm Facebook friends with a bunch of the riders. And oh, my gosh, that show is amazing. Beautiful. Huh? And there was, oh, my Beautiful goodness, photos. you can't. Yeah. Oh, Caroline Rothman, I will hope to get her on. She's a great friend of the show. She has the most beautiful picture of her Highness O and her standing in Fritzen. It's beautiful. I wanted to get on a plane and go instantly. Gorgeous. So. We wish them all luck, and, and we will be reporting on who gets selected. So looking forward to that for sure. But uh, today we have a great show. We do, and we have a July 4th theme. Very easy, and, and actually, Philip and I were just chatting. This is going to be one of our favorite interviews um, with my student, Ju- Julie Lewandowski, uh, a friend of mine for many years, and Julie is actually in the Army Reserves. Her husband is currently serving um, in Kuwait and she is really, really an amazing person. And um, she's also, you know, she's becoming an instructor for the Wounded Warrior Program uh, for the horses. And she's just awe-inspiring. So I hope you really enjoy her interview for July 4th and just her uh, journey to become a silver medalist for USDF. Uh, that was pretty awesome. And then um, Hillary Moore Hebert, we love her segments. Uh, and I know everyone will enjoy her segment. We, we, uh, uh, we had, she had rain. Yeah, yeah we, we missed it because she had some w- really bad weather and we weren't able to reschedule because of trying to get three trainers and uh, to get reorganized. It can be a challenge. So you're going to love her interview. So, really great show today. Well, Philip, I am still loving all of my products from Benefab. How about you? I mean, I can't get over how how nice and I mean this stuff is standing up in quality because uh, I've been using the polos every day using the pole cap thing that goes on the horse. I was worried, you know, because the the horses their summer skin is a little thinner, right? Yep. So you know yep. you got rubs and all this stuff. But I mean, like I said, with that with that the thing that the uh, I don't even know how to it goes over the crown piece of the yeah. of the horse and, and it helps keep their pole. Nice and flexible and and good. That uh, 
that it's it's holding up to the weather we i kind of yes. spray it down get sweaty i spray it down been yep. washing the polos they stand up to the washing it's been not great. Drying. really really not enjoying drying. the products Yes, you're not drying the products, right? That's no, in the I, in the I direction. I never dry any horse stuff in the, oh. in the dryer. I mean, <laughs> I, what is that going to do to it? <laughs> <laughs> yes, you can't dry the products. But yes, they, we have big notices all over our board to say, do oh, not okay. dry these products. They they lose their magical powers if you dry them. But yes, the same. And and me being kind of on stall rest, I'm using my blanket a ton all over oh, my yeah. leg. It's helping yeah. your foot. Yeah, it is helping my leg. Yes. Big time because I have set, you know, my leg swelling a little bit. And when I wear the blanket, when I'm on stall rest, I don't have, it's my leg doesn't swell. So it's really cool. So I, I am personally loving the products and I'm using them literally while I'm sitting now 23 hours a day. Um, <laughs> you know, it's on my leg and it's great and I'm nice and warm and, and I love them. They're wonderful products. So uh, we encourage everyone to try it. If you ever get, I know it's summer. But if you get cold, um, which I do, even in the summer with the air conditioning on, the blanket is amazing. So check check them out at Benefed Products. Wonderful, wonderful products. Three, two, one. Well, in honor of Fourth of July, I hope everybody enjoys this interview with Julie Lewandowski, General Manager for Meadow Lake Equestrian Center and USDF's newest silver medalist. Well, it is truly my honor this week to um, have my friend Julie Lewandowski on. Julie is one of my heroes. Truly, you are Julie. Julie is the head trainer and now general manager of a wonderful facility here in Kentucky called Meadow Lake Equestrian Center. She is a mom of two wonderful little boys. Um, and she is a the newest USDF silver medalist. She received her silver medal over the weekend. And in honor of 4th of July, Julie is um, in the Army Reserves. And her husband, Sean, is currently serving in, um, he's in Kuwait as an active guard reserve first lieutenant engineer. So, Julie, welcome to the show. Well, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. And you can't say I'm your hero. That's too big of a burden to put on somebody. There's a lot of pressure oh, no. when you say hero. No, it's so true. I mean, Julie, we met 10 years ago. And yeah. um, I, it was, I can't believe it feels like it was just yesterday. And Julie said to me 10 years ago, I want to get my silver medal. And I said, all right, let's formulate a plan to get your silver medal. So, um, and, and then you just had babies and had to go off for training and Sean's been away. So tell us a little bit about your story on your 10 year story to get your silver medal. Cause it's a really cool story. 10 years ago, 2004. Uh, yeah. yeah. We don't yeah, need dates. It's crazy. It's okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I had to put myself back 10 years ago because I can't just think <laughs> about that. In 2003, I just came back from my deployment to Afghanistan, and I was living in West Virginia at the time. And you get moments of clarity in your life. Um, Mine just happened to be sitting on the berm (laughs) during night guard uh, in the freezing cold Afghan weather thinking, hmm, what am I going to do when I get home? (laughs) And I I got my degree in equine uh, management, and I thought, you know what? There is only one place I want to be, and that's Kentucky. Um, never lived there, never been there before, but I'm going to Kentucky because that's just where I need to go. Where, where, are, you, where are you from? If you're not from, Kentucky. I'm originally I'm originally from Michigan. Oh, okay. Yeah, I went to college in West Virginia, and then uh, made my way to Kentucky. I keep telling people that I wasn't born in the South, but I got here just as soon as I could. <laughs> <laughs> cool. I didn't so, know that actually. 
Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I kind of, you know, got back in May of 03 and um, stayed in West Virginia a little bit, kind of got my affairs in order and made a couple of trips to Kentucky to look for a place to live and um, packed my little stuff up here and, and came down here. And I started, actually, as a groom at Three Chimneys. Uh, one of my buddies I was deployed with said, you know, hey, well, I know the manager at Three Chimneys. I can probably get you a job. And I thought, okay, I don't want to work on a thoroughbred farm, but hey, it's a job and I'll move down there. So um, after being about, you know, six months uh, working at Three Chimneys, I uh, was able to find myself a job in equine management at a local facility. And I stayed there for about five years, um, really wanted to event. It was, it was all about eventing for me, but I always had this strange infatuation with dressage and everybody's like, well, it's all about the cross country. But for me, it was all about the precision of dressage, which made the cross country easy. And then a few years ago, after having babies and, you know, kind of developing more what my true passion was, I decided to switch primarily my discipline to dressage. And I still event occasionally because it's fun and keeps horses fresh and, um, all that jazz, but I really decided I wanted to dance. And so that's when I changed my discipline. Um, and I've had, you know, several different horses underneath me, all capable of doing different things. And then, uh, almost three years ago, I was gifted a Grand Prix horse. Um, and that's really when my, my own development in dressage just kind of took off because, you think you know what you're doing and you could feel it, but until you're really put in that situation, you're like, oh, that's <laughs> what they're talking about. <laughs> and so it all becomes, you know, a little bit more realistic at that point. So, yeah, I'm starting my journey with my wonderful horse, Leroy, and um, he's not an easy ride, but, you know, I figure if I can, if I can figure it out on him, everything else will be a little bit easier. So. Cool, cool. Now I'm I'm interested in uh, what led uh, a horsey kind of person into the army reserves. How did that? How did how did you get hooked onto that? So I've always had you know two loves in my life. One was horses, and one was um, the army. And I mean, I was you know the seven eight year old kid playing GI Joe in the woods with my brother. Just just who I was, and I never had the time or never wanted to take the time in the summer, you know, when I'm showing and being competitive to go and do my training. Um, but after my first year of college, I was like, okay, I've got to figure out for a way to pay for school. <laughs> so for me, it was kind of uh, a put up or shut up thing. And um, the Army Reserve was a great avenue for me to do that. And, you know, I always tell people my excuse for, for joining the army was because I needed college money, but my real reason was that I'm a patriot and I, I wanted to serve my country. And so that's what kind of uh, pushed me in that direction was out of necessity, but it was always something that I wanted to do. And I finally just said, Hey, I can take a year, you know, a summer off of horses to try to pursue my goals and aspirations in this other avenue as well. Yes. And, and you were in Afghanistan for a year, right? I was, yeah. I was, and I was with uh, an ordnance unit and my first job in the army was uh, a diesel mechanic. And that is still what I am by trade. 
But when I came uh, back from deployment, um, I switched jobs and I became a drill sergeant. And everybody um, kind of laughed at that because they just think that that's the perfect job for me. It is. Um, I would not want to. I would not <laughs> want you yelling at me. No, no. I like yeah. the other way around. But, you know, the the cool thing about being a drill sergeant is, yeah, there's a lot of yelling going on, but really it's about teaching. You know, it, it's about teaching a civilian off the street how to be a soldier, how to be a member of a team, um, how to work for something greater than yourself. And so it really actually ties in very closely to being a horse trainer or being a, an instructor because you are part of a team. You know, it's not an individual sport. Um, everybody kind of thinks, well, it's, you know, it's gotta be individual. It's just you, but it's you and your horse, it's your partner. And then more than that, it's the whole team that goes along with it. Your vets, your coaches, you know, your chiropractors, <laughs> your sports therapists, you know, there is a large team that's involved in getting a partnership up through the levels. And so actually being a drill sergeant ties in very closely to that. I just don't yell quite as much when I'm teaching a, a person. <laughs> yeah, some people might not like yeah. that, huh? Yeah. Ooh, Sometimes boy. I get a little excited. <laughs> I actually had uh, one of my students said, would you yell at me today like a drill sergeant? And I was like, oh, why would you ask that? Um, you don't no, really want you, don't, no. you don't want me to do that. No, that's a bad idea. So, Julie, and I, I don't remember exactly when you started, but you actually ride in uniform now. So tell everybody about that. I do. I started um, competing in uniform last June. And... For me, it was a uh, very big decision uh, for me to do that. I first felt like I had to have a horse that could wear the uniform with me. Um, there's a lot of pressure that goes on when I put on that uniform because I'm not just, you know, displaying myself and my horse, but I'm also representing all my brothers and sisters in arms uh, in our country. And so, you know, it's, it's a lot of pressure to, to feel that and to feel everybody's eyes are on you, you know? Um, and the first time I put it on and went down the center line, I just, I thought I was going to puke. Oh, I don't know what to do this. <laughs> Cause it's just, it's a lot of pressure. Yeah. Um, but after you go through it, you realize, you know, that it's, it's bigger than me. Um, it, it's bigger than all of us really. And to have that sort of, um, responsibility. I mean, it just kind of, it puts everything in light. You know, you complain about your scores or you complain about this or your horse didn't just do this perfectly. But being in my uniform reminds me of what was important and what we have to give up to have the freedom to complain about our scores. You know what I mean? And a lot of people have sacrificed a lot and uh, my children (laughs) sacrificed a lot as well, but uh, it's all kind of worth it in the end when you can sit back and you can watch people doing the things that they love to do and have the ability to go wherever they want to and do it. Yeah. Awesome. It's amazing. I, I'm, yeah. I'm really curious about this. I mean, in Canada, I, I think we have the Army Reserves, but it might be a different story. Can you lead us through the process of, you know, from kind of signing up and, and what what's involved and, and how you got shipped off to Afghanistan? I think that's really interesting. Sure. Um, so typically when you join the Army Reserve or the National Guard, you know, you sign up for one weekend a month and two weeks a year, just like the commercials I'll always say. Um, but you always know that, you know, if your country calls you, you're going to get deployed or you're going to get mobilized um, stateside if there's a need for that. 
so for the first, oh, I joined in 96. So from 96 to um, 2001, you know, it was one weekend a month, two weeks a year. We have additional schooling that we have to go through in order to um, continue on our progression up through uh, the levels. Um, so each time you get promoted, there's another school that you have to go to to educate yourself in responsibilities of that current grade that you're at. Um, and it's funny because when 9-11 happened, I just sat on my phone and waited for it to ring. I just, I was like, please call me, please call me, please call me. And, um, six months after 9-11, I got, we got deployed and we filled in for a unit, um, stateside for the first, uh, two or three months in Washington in Fort Lewis. And then, um, we replaced a sister unit in Afghanistan and, um, Basically, we uh, shipped all the munitions to everybody in the theater who needed it. <laughs> so, you know, nobody nobody expects the call. Um, but when you get the call, I mean, when, when there's a true need, I mean, everybody wants to go. Everybody wants to line up. And there was actually such a great um, influx in the recruiting ranks after 9-11. I don't even remember how many new people joined um, because of 9-11, but it was I created an amazing display of patriotism to see everybody wanting to stand up and, and protect our country. And Julie, talk to us a little bit about, I mean, you have two wonderful little boys, Ian and Reese. I'm not going to say how we got that yes. name. Yes. <laughs> I had to die to say it. Um, so you have Ian and Reese and they're wonderful, wonderful boys. Okay. Um, what is Thank it you. like to have your husband? I mean, now you you run a huge facility. You have two little boys. You're competing at the FEI levels. And now your husband is gone for a year. How do you, how do you, how do you yeah. do that? You know, it's, it's a struggle and, um, you just do it because it's what you have to do. Um, when my husband graduated from college and went active duty, um, his first duty assignment was in Cincinnati. And fortunately for us, Lexington and Cincinnati is fairly close. Um, so we made the decision that he would go to Cincinnati alone. Um, typically your tours are about three year tours and that I would continue to stay in Lexington and pursue my goals and my dreams and, um, try to continue moving forward. Um, and it was a hard decision. It was not one that we came by lightly because no family wants to be split up and no, you know, father wants to be away from their kids. And we certainly didn't want to be away from each other, but it was the best thing for our family at the time. So we can continue to move forward. Um, our boys are very understanding of it. I mean, sometimes it gets confusing and there are days when it's really hard when uh, Reese says, when does daddy get to come home? And, all I could tell him is a long time. And Reese is, you know, about to be four, and so he doesn't really have much concept of time. But prior to his deployment, you know, we had two years living apart. He would come home on weekends. Um, he had a school that he had to finish, so there was one point when he was gone for six months. And you have to love technology because we can FaceTime, you know, just about every day. Um, and so that really helped. And um, the time that we have together, you know, we spend together and, it's just the way our life is. And, um, it's, you know, only for a short period of time when you look at the grand scope of things, you know, three years, isn't that long when you're talking about a 70 year life, um, mm -hmm. three years growing up with our children, you know, that, that is a long time. And, um, 
the, the sacrifice that you make for that is for our children. You know, we have to continue to move forward. And it was a hard decision for me to stay behind because I, I felt a little selfish that I was putting my, my own needs in front of my kids. But at the same time, I thought, you know, I want to be a role model to them about what a strong, independent woman does, that, you know, two people love each other. It doesn't matter if you're miles apart. You can still have a strong family um, and, and continue forward like that. So they understand it. it's not always easy. Um, Ian, my seven-year-old, has already been through um, one mobilization. My husband, before he became an officer, was um, enlisted, and he was a drill sergeant as well. And so he actually got uh, mobilized to Fort Knox, Kentucky, and he was there for 10 months. Um, and again, you know, it's tough, but it's just kind of the way it is. And he knows that both of our kids know that we love them and that we love each other and um, we're going to be together soon. And so that's what we focus on. We focus on the time that we're going to be together and not necessarily the time we're apart. You know, it's it's easy to become bitter and you see your neighbors cooking out and, you know, the the husband's weeding and mowing the, the yard, and I'm on my lawnmower going, I wish somebody would weed eat my ditch, you know? <laughs> So, I mean, it, it, you know, it, you can easily become bitter, but it, it, it's not going to benefit anything, and it's not going to benefit anybody, and it's just the way it is, and it's the life that we chose, and um, it's a duty that we have, you know, to, to our country, and we feel very strongly about that, and so... We just continue on and um, try to teach our children those same morals and patriotism. And sometimes you have to give up something to, to get something else in return. Wow. Well, see, now everybody can. T- now everybody knows why you're my hero because you're just a really, really amazing person, and and your family has sacrificed a lot for you to also, um, you know, ride and get your medals. And I think you have just a, an amazing perspective. So, Julie, what's next? What are you doing next with Le- Leroy? So, what's next? We are uh, moving on to the I-1. Um, mm-hmm. I'm hoping to try to uh, get my gold medal. Um, I would love to be able to get my uh, gold medal freestyle bar. Um, I would love to do a patriotic uh, freestyle that's a little bit, you know, ahead of us. But Leroy is an, is an older boy. Um, I don't know how much time I have left on him. Um he just, he loves what he does, and he puts so much into his effort every day. So we're going to keep going and until he tells me that he needs to stop. And so, you know, keep I keep my options open, keep looking for a new pony, you know, to fill in Leroy's uh, shoes when he has to move on. But for right now, we're um, concentrating on the I-1 and hopefully getting our scores and moving up to the Grand Prix after that. Awesome. Well, Julie, thank you so much for all your time and, and tonight. And um, if anybody wants to reach you online, how do they do that? Online? Um, they can email me, uh, which is julie at meadowlakeec.com, or they can uh, check out our website, which is meadowlakeec.com, and you can click the little Contact Us button, and that will go to me as well. Awesome. Thanks, Julie. Have a great night. Happy 4th of July. Thank you, too. Thank you, you too. Right after this commercial break, we are going to speak with Hilary Moore-Hebert, contributing editor to Dressage Today. (music) 
Hi, this is Gina Moronic from Wisconsin, and I am an official Horse Radio Network auditor, something I'm really proud to do and to be a part of in a small way because it's something that I get a lot of information from. The Horse Radio Network uh, and the convenience of the downloadable podcasts means that I can improve my horsemanship skills, my riding skills, um, or just really enjoy listening to friendly, informative programming whenever I'm driving to work or working on chores or at the barn even. So I hope you find it as enjoyable as I do. If you do, go to horseradionetwork.com and click on the banner to become a Horse Radio Network auditor. For as little as a dollar a month, you can be involved in this great thing too and keep it going. Thanks. Well, I am so excited to have Hillary Moore Hebert, contributing editor for Dressage Today on. She thankfully got through the storms a couple weeks ago, which is why we had to push back her interview for last month. But she's our favorite segment guest for the month. So, Hillary, welcome to the show. Hi, guys. <laughs> How are you? I'm doing well, although it's funny with the storms again. Um, I was just mentioning to you guys before we started taping that um, I think we have Hurricane. Is it Arthur coming? Yes. Yeah, Arthur's oh, on I'm the way. So I'm hoping everybody survives. Yes. Yeah, I think actually, I think it's in South Carolina right now. And, is and it really? Oh, I hope everyone's okay. Hard, but. Well, I, I, we will send an extra prayer and vibes to everyone. You are okay out there. Yeah. But. Hillary, we are excited to have you finally on the show, and you have an, 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 a new title. Title change. Can you tell, title change. Can you tell everybody about your title change? Yes. So, um, Dressage Today is incredibly awesome as usual, and um, for anyone who's been following me, I've had some horses doing very, very well this year, and they were incredibly supportive of that, and a lot of it means that I have to be able to be on the road more for showing, and you know, getting to all of the championships and Devin and CDIs and stuff. And so um, I am still working um, full force. You you guys still get Dressage 101 and the training articles that I'm doing. Um, But I am able to work remotely. So it means I can either work from the farm or if you see me typing at horse shows, I'm working on training articles. Um, So it mostly just is a switch so that I have the flexibility to um, you know, work on the road. And I, I think it is a really smart decision on their part because it gives the magazine a chance to have even more of a feel from the sport itself because, um, you know, feel I from the road, you're, you're in the trenches, yeah. Hillary. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and that, um, you know, yesterday would be a great example, um, because I have the flexibility. I was one of the many fools who decided to go out and a thousand degree weather to um, dressage at Blue Goose, which they're incredible hosts. And we took the horses up there, you know, warmed up for like five minutes, tried not to melt and um, just got up there and showed. Um, but to be able to show on a Wednesday, it was a really neat experience. I saw, um, you know, Silva Martin up there who seems like she's doing great. Uh, JJ Tate was showing um, and, you know, some of the other people that are just in the mid-Atlantic area that it's nice to catch up with. So I, I just think it's a really great change. Super. And you're able to, we, we were going to actually talk a little bit about this, and, and that is work your career into riding, into competitive riding. Can you talk to us a little bit about the tip you wanted to give everybody? 
Yeah, I think, you know, it's really interesting because not only do I kind of experience this because even though I'm a professional and I'm competing, um, you know, I do carry a full-time job with the magazine uh, and it's something that then I become kind of aware of because of that. And, um, you know, I have a full barn of clients that I have in training and all of them mostly work. Uh, And so it's really interesting for me to see all the ways that they juggle things. Um, You know, the one thing that I notice in particular that I think is really helpful is uh, to have it be that you have a very structured schedule because I think people try to kind of overcommit because the guilt of not being able to be out all day long and um, they say, you know, I'm going to go out and I'm going to ride every single day. But I think it becomes then by Thursday and Friday, you've like been going on and on and on and it's day after day. And even if you haven't been riding, you have just been going out to the barn. And especially with show season, you get to the point where you don't have a day off. And I think it's really important to figure out whether it's a show schedule where you say, okay, next weekend I get all the weekend off. I'm not going to schedule other things to do. I'm just going to go out to dinner with my husband or go to the beach and I'm not going to ride that weekend or, you know, Mondays are going to be the evening that I'm going to maybe leave work and just go home and kind of relax. I'm definitely not going to go to the barn, but I think you need to have your eye on the goal of not only when you're going to be riding and training and competing and being at the barn, but I think you also need to look at, you know, that definable time that you get a break so that you don't, what I kind of like to say is you don't become a rider that becomes ring sour. So uh, I was curious. You don't yeah. want to, you don't want to burn little, out, right? Yes. Yeah. Where you're like, Oh my gosh, I have to wake up at 4am again. Instead it's like, I get to ride, I get to wake up at 4am cause I get to ride my horse at a show today. You want to feel excited. Cause if you go into it feeling burnt out, it's going to be really hard. And I wanted yes. to hear what you guys had, you know, just in terms of your students and, also, I think for us, it's, you know, juggling. How do you guys prevent that, you know, ring sour rider thing that we have going on sometimes? Yeah, I think in the summer, too, you know, it, it gets so busy, you know, starting here and end of March till, uh, you know, till about now. We have usually a little break in July. We have Young Riders and Pony Club and a bunch of things that happen here in July, but it, it it's hot. So we usually take a little bit of break in July to mid-August and then we go at it again and we're at it again September, October into November. So um, and, and I, I've have been someone because I, I have done horses all the time. You know, I, I know myself and I know that I can get a little ring sour. You know, I do. I, I just get tired. I need, I need a break. I, I love to do other things in my life. And, uh, my husband is not a horseman. He, you know, God bless him, lives in a barn for me and has made a lot of sacrifices in his life for me to do this as a career. So there are a couple of things that I do um, that I think I, sometimes people are shocked I have them, but I have barn hours where um, it's very clear when you come to train here, unless we've made some sort of arrangement, barn opens at eight and I want everybody out by five. Um, because I live here, there's somebody here 24 hours a day. The horses are very well taken care of, but there's a time where, you know what, I, I want to walk around with a glass of wine and, and not see all my clients or, you know, I want to be able to grow out with my husband and have it be quiet. And I don't always finish at five. I sometimes go off property and teach or I do, I have lessons later. Um, but my barn starts to wind down for all the clients here at about five. And that works for my group because, most of the horses are in training and, and I don't have people
people that come after work. So that, that works for me. Um, and then I actually, when I'm home, I take Sundays off. And I am pretty off. I mean, really, my assistant is here. She has her job is to run the barn on Sunday. Um, If there's an emergency, she needs to call the vet first, and then she can call me. Uh, And she is very respectful of my time with my husband. And that may be, you know, sleeping in or it may be hanging out or whatever it is that that I try to spend Sundays with my husband and and really try to, to cut the horsey time down. So that's what works for us. And it's very important for me that that I spend that time time with him and, and, or my family or, or whatever I want to do. So that's how I deal with it. And, uh, there are times when, uh, I don't get a day off because of horse shows. Um, uh, and then, you know, I just try to suck it up a little for myself. Cause again, I I'm self-employed so I can say, okay, or, or I'll take a little time Monday afternoon off. So that's what I do. Philip, what do you do? I work and work and work. <laughs> Whatever you didn't work our, for three our months. Our show season this is so short. It's yeah. like end of May till you know beginning September, something like that. So you know when I'm busy, like right now, like no days off, just go go go. I you know I might complain now and again about it, but like I I really don't mind because you know it's. But uh, then you have the winter. Because yeah, have the winter. we have the winter, right? And in the winter, yeah. I we travel. Me and my wife, we travel. We we go places. We do different stuff. And that's the time just to, you know, take the breaks and relax. But, you know, really in the summer, it's about it's about work. And, we you know, you just nose to the grindstone. And, and uh, it's fun. Like, the weather is finally nice to ride in. We go to shows. I really love showing. I'm a super competitive person. So I don't, you know, like, I don't really feel like it's work. So, I mean, I get tired, you know, end of the day. You know, I, I sleep better in the summer. But, like... <laughs> You know, I don't mind. I don't mind it. So I, you know, I don't really experience that ring sour thing because it's only you know a few weeks and then then it's all over and I I get sad and and then we take our rest and you know and when it's February and it's minus you know twenty or minus thirty or whatever, then it's not you know okay that day we don't ride the horses or whatever and th- and that's when it's time for time off and for for family and and doing other things. So. Yeah, I you know like it's you just take it for what it is and get your time in while you can and and uh you know I don't I don't mind being busy super busy right now. So um it's just different, you know, the climate has a big thing to do with it mm-hmm. where we are. That's so true. That's, that's all, you know, that's yeah, all I, we can do. I never noticed that I uh grew up in Massachusetts and we did have the shorter show season and it it's interesting you bring that up because I Never noticed that, and I don't know if it's just because I was younger and had more energy or something, but it definitely, you notice as you go south, the the show season is just, you know, we start with recognized shows in April, go through November, and now with nationals, you know, you're talking about going way longer than um, people are going to Wellington, Um, and I think it's really interesting that whether you're doing that or not, I think that, um, you know, for the typical adult amateur that just feels a lot of pressure to go every single week, come out and ride and ride and ride. Um, I, I really liked that idea that was said earlier of travel, because that's something my husband and I, every single year, um, you know, in the winter time when it's freezing and there's nothing to do here, we, uh, ferret away all our extra money and we go to some, weird place. We went to Cambodia last year um, and then, you know, stay in hotels across like 40 bucks and dinners like $5. But just to have that time away that like there's not a horse in sight, there's not work in sight, 
And you just, I mean, literally in that case, you're on the other side of the world, but just going someplace that's different and that you can kind of just clear your mind of things, I think is also really important, whether it's going to visit your family or just kind of being out of that pressure, because whether you're professional or an amateur, you know, all of us are essentially living in a structure of like a professional athlete that's training all the time. So I think it's an important thing to do that as well. Yeah, totally agree. Absolutely. Great. Well, Hillary, what's our next tip of the month? Okay. So now focusing more on training stuff, uh, this month is our Baroque issue, which I love. I I think there was a shirt I saw that said, I'm going Baroque. And it showed a little, you know, yeah. 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 horse I like underneath. It. I like it. Yeah. Cool. Um, I like it. <laughs> I just got focus, it. <laughs> the focus is on <laughs> speaking of vacations, it. horses, and, you know, nonstop. I'm, I don't have a PRE, but I'm definitely going broke in the sport. Um, yeah, me too. <laughs> uh, so we had a focus on that, which I think is really fun, because I think that it is talking about a lot of different things. And um, one of them that uh, we have is um, Nicholas Fife talks about training the horse that he has that um, he has going that is a PRE. Um, but I thought it was really interesting because we did this interview with him about training them. And his answer wasn't like, oh, you know, you need to do this, this and this. He said, I treat every horse as an individual. So don't ask me about the breed. I just look at what their strengths and weaknesses are, and I tailor the program to that. And I thought that was really, really interesting because I think that there's kind of this um, approach now where people say, oh, you've got the Frisian, and they tend to be a little bit out behind and kind of tight in the neck, and you have the Arabians, and they don't come into the contact, or you have, you know mares and they tend to be a little bit squirrely sometimes with the leg but you know I thought it was interesting for him to say okay I look at every horse and I just look at them for who they are and I uh, create a program based on that and it was really refreshing I thought for him to to kind of think about it like that because I think it's something that I do but I think that there is kind of that oh I specialize in this breed or this breed and um I'm not sure that that's as clear of an answer as sort of saying, okay, maybe there's things you should look for, but you really should treat them as individuals. And I was wondering if you guys have had experiences with horses of a breed or, you know, a gender or whatever that might have taken you a bit by surprise. Yeah, I I actually had my first Lusitano that I've ever trained. Um, uh, He's been here for a year. And um, it was a really interesting experience for me. And and I went in, my client um, very much wanted either a Lusitano or an Andalusian. Um, That was what we went to purchase. And I flat out said, I don't have any experience. I had ridden, I had helped someone buy another one at one point um, in my career. But I really didn't have a lot of knowledge of the breed. And I said, okay. So we went and we bought this wonderful horse and you know, yes, he, he is different to ride for sure, but the principles are the same. 
you know, um, he would have a really nice, beautiful ne- headset and the and, and neck and the owner. Oh, he looks so great. And I'm like, you know, he's not on the bit. Actually, he's not really coming from behind. He's not really going to both reins. Um, so I learned that with him. Uh, you know, it, it, it's all the same stuff, really, at the end of the day. Um, so I I really enjoyed the experience. Really, really fun horse Re- and, and fun experience to train one. So um you know, they're fun to ride, too. I mean, he's like a little Porsche. I rode him in a horse show, uh, fourth level, and then I got on my big warm blood who's uh, clients who who is, you know, 18 hands and did a training level. And let me tell you, the little Porsche was the way to go. He was fun. So that's my experience. And it, they were very fun, but really working on a solid, true connection from behind is what we had to do all the time. So. That was my experience with him. Yeah, I think no matter what the horse, I mean, you have to you have to stick to the training scale. I see sometimes people are like, well, you know, this is a such and such horse or whatever, and 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 they they don't really need to work on this or that. And and you know, I think that's really, you know, you don't make excuses for horses. They have to fit in the training scale and they have to achieve, you know, whether it's a PRE or Frisian or or a thoroughbred, they have to. They have to achieve the the levels of the training scale before you get to move. I think you know with uh, with these horses are super good at collection, right? You know with the yes. with the uh, up and down trot and that, and and you know you can you can really jump a lot of steps if you just want to do PF passage, right? I mean this is just an example, mm-hmm. but um, that's it's not okay in the end because you have to train everything else and you have to develop the horse and you have to. You know, get the right muscles and get the back really working. That's something that that uh, that's so important in every single horse, and and not to be blind to those things because it has a fancy up and down movement. So, I think when you can do that and you break it down and you and you really let all horses progress at their own pace, but but um, stick to the basics, then you're going to do a good job as a trainer or a rider, and and uh, and 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 not say, well, this is a such and such type of horse that is never going to do this, right? And is never going to achieve that throughness through the back. They can all do it. You might have to be be creative with your training and find some some different ways to go about it, but you know, um every horse that we have in the barn, you know, you take fresh eyes on not just when they come in, but you know, on a day-to-day basis, on a monthly basis to say where are they at now? Where are they at now? And continue to to develop your training plan for for every horse. Yes, of course they have tendencies as horses this but you know uh they they might uh they might be able to you know to get through that quite quickly you know the problem that okay yeah the frisians are a little out behind well not not every single frisian is out behind and and if you don't take a fresh look at the horse from time to time you won't realize that it isn't out behind anymore or it never was or or whatever and and you know um really evaluate the horse all the time and reevaluate and reevaluate reevaluate your training plan and be able to change it and and uh and i think i think then you do every horse that you ride a, a good service by by not pigeonholing them and, and and by not jumping steps and 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 really stick to your stick to your guns stick to your plans stick to you know what you've learned from your from from your own trainers and and uh and not go around that plan so and i i like that idea a lot of what you're saying um, it is going to be the tip I put in my back pocket for kind of assessing all the time because especially with show season, you know, say, for example, you're riding two tests in a day. You take the horse out and they're tight the first test and you think, okay, I need to, you know, ride them to loosen their back a little bit. They aren't into the contact. I need to, you know, 
fix this, that may be a totally different horse than what you had at home, you know, for the past week because of just circumstances, how they're feeling that day or whatever. And, you know, you need to say, okay, this horse feels a little bit different than what I am used to. Yeah, some, you sometimes your show plan see. goes right out the window, yeah. right? I mean, that's why you need some, somebody the on the sidelines to say, yeah, hey, is this what, it, you know, is, is this, am I feeling, am I evaluating this horse right? Like, is this what is going on? They say, yeah, now we need to make a new plan on the spot. Sometimes that happens. Yeah. Um, and, and you need, you know, somebody to, to talk about it with that, that's really helpful and, uh, and, and uh, being open to that idea, yeah, right? Being like open to changing understanding your that your horse can be changed. Yeah, I, I like that a lot. That's so true. Very cool. So, Hillary, what's our next tip? Okay, so my last tip is from our DT Classics because it's our 20th anniversary. We pulled the best of the best, and Carol Grant did a really neat article on straightness and. Uh, yeah, I think it would be worth looking at the whole article because there's tons of diagrams that sort of shows the difference between a horse that travels naturally, that is, you know, slightly wanting to be crooked, to then riding slight shoulder forward to be able to have the horse be more straight in the sense of what you want for the dressage work. And just a lot of exercises where um, you're encouraging the horse to be able to be adjustable in their different legs so you get it. But I thought it was just a a really interesting article. And what it got me thinking about was riding the long side. So if you're going to go in the theme still of showing whether or not you're doing it, I very commonly see the difference between an okay test and a great test or an okay trot and canter and a great trot and canter is the difference between someone coming out of the corner, down the long side, and either you've got the haunches falling in and they're kind of crooked going down the long side versus that person who really takes the time to get their horse straight, meaning slight shoulder four and have it be that they aren't, you know, swinging their haunches in, but then they set up and they go down the long side. And I can't tell you how many times that the shows I'm watching that people could do that into the, you know, extended canter or the canter lengthening and the horse's butt is like falling in towards the center line the whole time. And, it doesn't matter how fast it looks like you're kind of hand galloping down the, the track, the horse is crooked and you're losing that fundamental piece. And I think it, you know, is a really great article for us to have because I think I noticed that it is not something that people are paying attention to as much as they should. That is a huge, that's a great point because you think we're the judges and they can see it. Don't think they cannot see it because they can see it every time if you don't ride a good corner and you go out. And again, you're right because a lot of people will be like, well, I was, I was, it wasn't conservative this time. I was so great. And I'm like, well, yeah, but you were crooked. So it doesn't matter how fast you go or how much of an extension there is, it's not going to work. And I, I have to be honest, I really noticed this. Um, I had some mirrors put up in my ring. I think it was March. And it was unbelievable to see how many horses, myself included, my students, where they would come out of the corner and they're like, oh my God, I'm so crooked. Uh huh. So that's been a huge thing in our, in our barn, just to be able to look up down the, down the long side and see if you're straight or not. Um, because more than likely people aren't straight and it's a huge deal. So, um, that's been a, a really big thing for us in our barn and, in seeing, and I also sit a lot of times if I'm, I'm taking a seat, I'll sit on the long side because I can really see if someone's straight or not coming out of the corner. So, um, 
the, you know, the mirrors have been a big help for us in, in, in the straightness department. Yeah, I mean, just it's a really common, like you said, Hillary, it's a really common problem. And it's not an easy thing to, to fix because it's not just a matter of pushing the haunches out and, you know, or, or doing this little thing and it's going to fix it. I mean, corners are difficult to ride. Good corners are even more difficult to ride. And, uh, you know, straightness in, in your lengthenings and that is is hard. The horses want to go crooked so they don't have to carry their shoulders on top of their hips and all of this. But it's something to really take the time and, f- and figure out and make sure it's right. I mean, right from showing at, at training level, the, the the first movement in every test is down the center line, evaluate, you know, the, the horse and rider's straightness, and then, you know, left turn, left turn, or right turn, right turn. Um, you got to keep that straightness through the whole entire test until you go down that center line the second time, right? And uh, if you let your horse drift around and do these little things, it you know, it... it it doesn't matter how good your lengthening was. It doesn't matter how good your circle was. The horse is crooked. So, you know, training right from training level or pre-training level, you know, get 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 that down. Make sure you can ride straight lines, straight transitions. And then you're able to do all kinds of great stuff out of the straightness. But um, it's just, it just speaks to to the balance of the horse right away, right from right from the beginning. And, and uh, you know, everybody's got to really think about it coming out of the corner okay, where am I? The shoulders, usually the shoulders are a little bit out, not not necessarily the hind end in, but, um, you know, get thinking uh, a little shoulder forward before you're ever riding leg yield or shoulder in. you got to be able to just stack the blocks on top of each other of the horse, the hips underneath the shoulders, underneath the neck, underneath the pole, you know. Um, you can write a, you can write a million articles about it because it's it's so important. So it's good that we brought it up today. Philip, go back to that analogy you just said, stack the blocks. That was, I think that that was a really good way to put that. Can you say that again? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's just something I heard a long time ago. But That's uh, great. It's a yeah, really good description. I mean, every, every piece has to, has to sit on top of something, right? So, you know, I think about the, the, the hind legs of the hooves being the, the very first part of the blocks. And then you're going to stack the, the hips of the horse and the stifles on top of that. And then, so everything has to be in line. Otherwise, you're not going to make a you're not going to make the horse into a nice. I kind of think of it as a pyramid or or uh, stacked uh, on um, a skyscraper building. But every piece has to be on top of the next piece. So you have to have control of of all of the, all of the pieces. So they they all go one on top of each other. The the hind legs, the hips. You know where you sit. You have to sit on top of that piece, and then the shoulders have to be. Um, on top of kind of on top of the rider and then the neck has to stack itself on top of you know so if if you were building a building you would have control of okay this piece goes on top of that piece you know all the way up into the the pole and then a little bit the nose is the last you know the nose up and out a little bit is the last piece that goes on top of everything so you always have this uphill kind of idea and you always have a balanced idea with that so that's I don't know. It kind of worked for me when when I was learning about all these things that that that's something that spoke to me, and so I just u- use it all the time. So I like hopefully, it. That's hopefully, great. that kind of makes sense to people. But yeah, absolutely. Not, not every, every analogy works for everyone, I guess. I liked it. I Very think good. That Philip has won the award for cool things tonight. I can yes. <laughs> everything that you said. Yeah, normally like you, you got you always got <laughs> those visual <laughs> tips <laughs> from <laughs> the. Um, from the magazine, right? And yeah, maybe if I were to write, that would be mine. I'm sure somebody else did it in the magazine. Well, I, I think might, you I might just have gave even Hillary. stole that from the magazine. 
I don't know. <laughs> I think yeah, you I'm going to go learn. back and look, and then all yeah. the listeners have gotten one. But if not, I'm going to see if we can do it into a solution because okay. um, I think that that's awesome. I feel like actually everything that you're saying today, I'm like, this is so smart. I wish that we had talked about this before the magazine. We could have had it as an extra little tip. So Yay, Philip. Yeah, I, I spent I spent a little time with my coach today. Actually, that's why I'm just coming off of riding a couple of lessons. So that's why I'm I'm on the ball. Smart, feeling smart. Wow, Philip, we love it. <laughs> well, Hillary, thank you so much for your time tonight, and we hope you have a wonderful Fourth of July weekend. Um, how yes. do our listeners get in touch with you? So they can check us out at dressagetoday.com. And then, as with everybody now these days, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter. Um, Pinterest, YouTube, and uh, I guess we're getting into the summer season. So if you guys are planning on coming to Dressage at Devon, we will definitely be there as well. So um, I hope to catch up with everybody, and I hope you guys will keep checking us out. We have a ton of new training tips and everything up on the website. Well, that was a great Great show. I hope everybody enjoyed Julie as much as we did. And Hillary is always one of our favorite guests. So really a, a fun show. I hope everybody enjoys it for the 4th of July. And Canada Day, Philip. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Thanks. <laughs> Anytime. <laughs> I like it when you think about us a little bit. Yeah, I want to throw a little bit to Canada, but I hope everybody <laughs> enjoyed that and, and just enjoyed, um, you know, just Julie's story is just truly all inspiring. So I think that's wonderful. Well, everybody, don't forget, we, we, are, we had, had a, quite a long show tonight, so don't forget to email us and Facebook us and Send shout us some out. some questions, yeah. Love it. What do you want to know about dressage? <laughs> and we will t- try <laughs> we'll to try it. figure it out. Yeah. We can't figure it out. We will, we will send it on. So I hope everybody enjoyed our show tonight. And you can find our show notes and links to today's guests on our website, dressageradio.com. You can like us on Facebook. Just search Dressage Radio Show. Follow us on Twitter at Horse Radio. My website is maplecrestfarmky.com. And my email is reese at horseradionetwork.com. You can find me at philipparksequestrian.com and my email is philip at horseradionetwork.com. I'd like to thank our sponsors for allowing us to put on a great show. And don't forget to check out all the other shows on the Horse Radio Network at horseradionetwork.com. Everybody, keep your heels down and your shoulders back and we'll talk to you next week. Bye.